Good morning, you are locked into Revive FM 94.0 on the Power Hour with your host today, myself, Louise Power. This show is about community matters, diversity and inclusion, a platform for women, leadership, entrepreneurship and inspirational stories. And today we are set for a brilliant show. We are celebrating Pride Month and Pride Week with Tech Corporation and and digital and I would like to introduce my guests and give them a, a warm welcome to Lena Cumberbatch, James Sharp and Philippa Wisniewski. Welcome to the show. And it's really good to have you here. So Lena Cumberbatch, um, she is a diversity and inclusion strategist with experience of working across public and private sectors, including higher education, healthcare, information technology in the UK, Europe and USA. James Sharp has worked in an, and digital for 20 years, working currently at AND as a chief strategic alliance for as Chief Strategic Alliances. He's responsible for forging partnerships between businesses. He is passionate about diversity and inclusion and works to develop allyship in the workplace. And I have Felipe Wisniewski. She is a full stack developer in club touring at AND with a passion for accessibility and has worked for, there for three and a half years. So again, warm welcome to you all. Thank you. Where where are you? Where are we, is everybody today in in the in the country or not in the country? <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll start I'll start with I'll start with you, Philippa. Whereabouts are you today? I'm in Halifax, West Yorkshire. You're you're in West you're you're in West Yorkshire. I've been to Yorkshire before actually, <laughs> and long long time ago. Um, but yeah, it was it was very very nice. A lot of countryside and really really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Yourself yourself, James? Oh, I'm in sunny Manchester today. My home for years. Uh, up to up in, in up in Manchester and yourself, Lena. Uh, yeah. I'm in, sorry, I am in very sunny Dundee in Scotland. And you are up are up there in Scotland. So we're all and I'm in London and I'm in East London. So we're all, we couldn't have been in demographically in so many different parts of the of the country. Um. So yeah, no, it's it's, it's brilliant. It's really really great to to be here. We are here as part of. <laughs> Oh, there's a little bit of noise there. Um, we are here to celebrate Pride Month and Pride Week um, with AND. Um, so AND, a digital um, organisation where James and Philippe are from with us today. Um, they accelerate the development of world-class digital capabilities and power the product development of ambitious companies. They work with clients and people to build impactful products and high-performing teams. They do that by blending technical, craft and product expertise with award-winning approach to talent, growth and development. And today we are celebrating um, Pride Month and we we're going to be listening to stories from, from all three of you, backstories and, and um, us giving us a little bit of context about yourself. So, yeah, in the first instance, I would just like to, yeah, just, just if you just like to just say a little bit about yourself, that would be really great. And in no particular order, James, do you want to start? Yes, great. Thank you. Uh, well, it's good to speak to you again, Louise. It's uh, uh, always a pleasure to uh, to work with you. Um, so James Sharp, uh, as Louise uh, mentioned, I'm Chief of Strategic Alliances. Uh, and I'm, we all have an untitled as well. And my untitled is Fabulous Party Animal. Um, I identify as a cis male. Uh, I've been out for 28 years. And perhaps uh, clues to that uh, are in my untitled. Um, 
in that 28 years of being uh, being out, I've seen a lot of change um, uh, occurring uh, with the prejudices and bigotries that uh, we have felt uh, in uh, the queer community. Um, just seven years before I was born, it was illegal to be gay. Um, and as I was going through my teen years and as a young adult into university, the age of consent was 21 uh, for gay male, uh, gay men, reduced to 18, and eventually we managed to get that down to 16. Um, right in the middle of those formative years was the HIV AIDS crisis, and then the introduction um, of Section 28 in the Local Government Act that uh, prevented the uh, promotion of homosexuality as a result of that stigma and shame that uh, followed the HIV AIDS crisis. Um, I'm glad to say more positive attitudes have occurred and I've lived, loved and cried through all of those, those moments and I'm really pleased to be uh, on the show today. So thanks for the invite. You're, you're most welcome. Thank you very much, James, for sharing that with us. And Felipe? Yeah, so uh, I'm Philippa um, and yeah, I have been, um, uh, I, I came out quite uh, a bit later in life. Um, so yeah, kind of my journey was that I didn't really like um, think much of it as a teenager. And then um, kind of after university and things like that, I was um, uh, shown about um, the asexual spectrum and what demisexual was. Um, and I really uh, could understand that and the the understanding of like needing to have a connection with someone before feeling that attraction really resonated with me and then as I kind of continued down that journey I realized that that was wasn't the end of it and that um I wasn't um the gender of the partner that I was with wouldn't uh, wasn't as important as I had thought it once was um and so that's why I came to identify as demi bisexual um yeah. Thank you so much, Philippa. And Lena, yourself, if you would just introduce yourself. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lena Cumberbatch. I'm uh, currently a PhD student studying diversity, inclusion and strategic change at the University of St Andrews in Scotland. This is why I'm up here in Dundee, but I am a, a Londoner, um, proud, born and bred. <laughs> and, um, and so a bit of a crisscross of experiences here and there. I, I also work in diversity and inclusion strategy and I uh, work for a very variety of different organisations delivering on DNI work. In terms of my my queer journey uh, across the board and so a variety of different stories across life and experiences and I think some of the key points in my coming out story are, are around coming out as a black woman as much as it was about coming out and um, uh, when I went to university I came out when I was at university I was in a predominantly white environment and so population of LGBTQI plus people was small, um, but the population of people who are black and LGBTQI was even smaller. And so it was, that was a big part of my identity in finding out who I am is being able to find myself black role models. And it took a, a, a 500 mile trip and a copy of Lisa Moore's book, um, Does Your Mama Know? Uh, coming out stories of black lesbians for me to be able to really feel and see and get some reflection on that space. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, everybody's had such different experience, but yet you can come really together in common with how, you know, it was finding that time and that moment in your life where you was just, you know, realized that, you know, the realization of what, you know, what you've done to overcome any kind of fears or inhibitions that you, that you had about, about who you are and being able to, you know, say, this is me. Um, and, 
you know, and lift others up. You know, this is what the, and digital, this is the title of this um, radio show and podcast on behalf of and digital. And it's about just being able to um, celebrate um, people from the LGBTQ community and just lift our voices and just our, the real experiences about where we're coming from and, and, and how it is that, you know, we've been supported or supported each other. So it'd be good to find out from each of you what, you know, the month of pride, you know, really means to you. It's a very important, significant time of the year where we're able to, to you know, give the, the attention to um, LGBT plus community and all that evolves around that. So I'd just really like to ask you, well, what, what does the month of pride, you know, pride month, what does that mean to you? Lena, I'll, I'll start with you. I think pride is, pride is pride month or pride events or pride activities are really key in a lot of the visibility that we have for the community. I think the the great massing together of all of those activities makes for an even bigger bang at one time. But I'd like to be clear that pride isn't pride for me once a month, one month in the year. It is my life, it is every day, it is what I do, it is who I am, it is a part of my identity and I make sure it is visible <laughs> every single day of the week, every year. And, and, and for me, that became really essential when I saw such a lack of visibility of queerness in the population. So I fulfill many stereotypes of lesbians. Um, and so by looking at me, most people would know and, and assume, but I make sure that it is clear. And so I make sure that my symbols are visible on, on every day. And so, so for me, I think it's brilliant that we can come up and we can have this great massing of Pride activities in one month to increase the visibility, but it's not one month. Absolutely. It's, it's who, who you are all the time. It's not just for one day. And, and James? Yeah, I have to agree with, with, with the comments there. You know, uh, I'm overtly out uh, in the workplace and with my friends and colleagues. I think it's really important to be seen that way. Um, uh, Pride is often accused of just being a party, but it has a, a proper mission to it. And it's that continued visibility and education and just showing that we are human like everybody else uh, and we you know, we are not choosing to live this way. We we were born this way. We're proud to be this way. Uh, and we give back, right? Um, and there are some important things that I think Pride does. And we, we'll talk uh, later um, about hate crime and the statistics are going in the wrong direction. It's going back up. Uh, and that's because there's fear and stigma and, you know, a whole bunch of other negative things that are happening uh, in society right now that I think pride allows people to see actually, look, uh, there's uh, a huge diverse population, there's intersectionality in our community and beyond. Um, you know, it's important to be seen. So, um, you know, I for one uh, love attending pride. I remember my first pride 25 years ago, jumping on a bus from Stoke-on-Trent uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and marching and that sense of inclusion and belonging was really important in my journey. So it's really important, I think, that uh, we continue to do this. Thank you so much, James. Sense of inclusion and belonging, that is, you know, the, the pinnacle, isn't it, of, of what, yeah. what, what it means. Um, and, and Philippa? 
Yeah, so to add to that, I mean, you know, both great answers. Um, I guess the the only other thing that I think about when I think about Pride Month is about the education um, alongside the visibility. So um, it means that people maybe have those conversations that they didn't have or they, they Google something that they didn't know about before um, and kind of dig a bit deeper um, so that they can, yeah, so that we can be more inclusive and more understanding of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, there's, again, all of you have just given such great context around what it's about. You know, for me as a diversity inclusion consultant, for myself personally, you know, I, it's, it's just about belonging. It's about inclusion. Everybody knowing that, you know, they are, they are equal, equal and in the shoes that they, where they stand and belong, you know, whichever room, wherever we are, um, as a community of individuals. Um, and, you know, Pride Month is, is fun. It is fun, James, isn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, it is an important thing. And actually, yeah. I, I read a statistic the other day from uh, from Stonewall. Uh, in a, in a 30,000-person sample, 52% um, of those people are not out. Uh, they identify as being LGBTQI but they still choose not to be out. Now that is startling in this day and age, frankly, that uh, that people fear that stigma. So again, that sense of belonging, right, is really important. What, what I would like to ask each of you, can you perhaps give some examples or, or, or your own experience why you think some people at work specifically may not be out? What are those fears that they may be feeling about coming out at work what are, what are some of the barriers that that people are still facing from the lgbtq community about being their self at work well i I, mean, I, I think yeah I, I think there's you know lots of reasons why people may choose not to come out at work i mean you don't need to come out if you don't wish to come out nor should you be outed i think is a yeah. is an important thing to 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 mention however you know, there, there is inequality in the workplace still um, and unfair treatment because of your sexuality sadly does still exist. And in that Stowell report that I've just mentioned, 13% um, of people last year had been treated unfairly as a result of their sexuality, whether that's whether, you know, taking, you know, a maternity or paternity time off, right? Because you're, you know, you're queer, how can that happen, right? or you know, unequal benefits in the workplace, or just bullying or those microaggressions that just appear because you happen to be out. And I think that that's maybe why people choose not to come out. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I think what you said there saying not not being outed and you know not feeling like they, they have to do anything particular, but also people should be able to feel like they can be their self without being judged or without you know, being discriminated against about of who they are. Um, and um, um, Lena or Philippa, would you like to, um, have you had experiences or thinking about why, you know, this, you know, this, this, we're still like 51% of people being worried about being their self? I think we don't know what the response is going to be when you can't predict, when you've got an unpredictable response coming at you for whatever reason. It's easy to set it what will be in a space and be somebody that's different to people who are there. And so not knowing what that response is going to be is risky. Do I want to go through that trauma of being in a risky situation where as a result I get treated differently? You know, James spoke about a number of different reasons that exist. But I mean, in, in addition to any negative consequences that you may have associated with coming out, being out, some people are like, why do I need to tell anybody? 
Yeah. It's private. It's my business. I don't need to be, That's <laughs> right. I don't need to advertise my life to everybody. And I think ultimately I am visible because I think it's important to be visible. I make sure that people know about me and know who I am. Not because I feel like I need them to come and talk to me. They can if they want to, but because I need people to understand and see for those who don't know what it looks like, who don't know, who don't think that they're on their own, who think that they're alone, um, who think that they're isolated or don't have any support. I, I need to be, I need to be visible for that reason because I know what it was like and I've seen the detrimental impacts it can have on people's lives. But at the same time, don't come out unless you are safe to do so and you choose to do so. It's up to you. Don't let anybody else's pressure make you do something you, you're not interested in doing or you're not ready to do. I'm, I, I, this is who I am. <laughs> this is what I do. This is how I exist in the world. And I'm happy to be this person and be in this space. But after numerous examples and experiences throughout my life, you know, um, I've been out for 20 some years now as well. And watching and experiencing people and, and talking to people, I will never make somebody feel like they need to come out. Yeah. I'm here, I'm doing what I do because it's this is what I want to do. This is who I am. But come out when you want to, when you're ready to, and not because somebody else said so, but because you feel safe and you want to celebrate you yourself and your identity with other people. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. I felt every moment of that, Lena, you know, <laughs> um and 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 you know I'm hoping people that are listening into the show today um those people within within and and those people that you know listen to the show hereafter also are able to really connect with what it is that you're saying what you know all our guests here are speaking and sharing their truths and their experiences and 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 hopefully adding inspiration to people that you know are 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 in a similar situation or just, or just thinking about, you know, where they're at in their journey. We are going to go in a, into a very, very short commercial break. When we come back, we'll be, I'll be speaking further to you guys about who you are and, and what you do and, and continuing the conversation in celebration of Pride Month. And as we are saying, and we, and lift each other up. So we'll be right back. Please do not touch that dial. You are locked into the power hour on Revive FM. This is Aisha. Her father died in an accident at a very young so? age. She lives with her mother and sibling. The very basics of life, resulting in her and many others not being able to attend school. Through Minhaj Welfare Foundation, your charity is dedicated towards supporting the full needs of orphans and needy children around the world. Donate today. Call us now. 0300 7 or visit us on minhajwelfare.org. Thinking of selling or letting your property? Need someone reliable to find the best prospect for your home? Well, look no further. Cameron Adams is here to take care of all your needs. Our professional and experienced team will guide you through the entire process and ensure you find the right client for your property. For a no-obligation quotation, contact us now on 0208 558 2000. That's 0208 558 2000. Or visit us at 30. Church Lane in Leytonstone. Cameron Adams, always at your service. Turkish Kitchen, the best Turkish food you'll ever taste. We only use the highest quality meat. Along with our mixed grill platters, we serve cold mezes, hot mezes, lamagin, and a wide selection of fish options. To order for delivery or collection, call us now on 0208 
0208-507-8822. That's 0208-507-8822. Or visit us at 41 Ripple Road, Barking, IG11 7NT. We can also take group bookings and take care of all your party needs. The Turkish Kitchen Barking. Looking to get your finances in order? MR Accountants has you covered. We provide a full range of accountancy and taxation services, including annual and management accounts, self-assessment tax returns, VAT, bookkeeping and payroll services. We ensure you're kept up to date with the latest legislation and our client-focused approach helps us plan your business finances from savings to investments. We are MR Accountants. Visit our website at mraccountants.com or call us on 0203 with over 40 years experience in the industry, Plushette Carpets is the place to go for all your carpets, laminates, linos and wood flooring. We have an established network of suppliers, which means we can offer some of the best prices in town. We offer free estimates, free measurements and now even free fitting. Call us now on 0208 472 8568 or visit us at 157 Plushette Road, Upton Park, London, E13 0QZ. Revive FM 94.0. On the radio, on your mobile, and online. Hello, welcome back. You are locked into Revive FM 94.0 on the Power Hour with myself, your host today. Just to remind you, this show is about community matters, diversity, and inclusion, a platform for women, leadership, on entrepreneurship and inspirational stories and today in the studio we are celebrating pride month with and lift each other up with and digital with our guest today lena cumberbatch james sharp and philippa wisniski welcome back to the show thank you um, so yeah so just before the commercial break we were speaking about pride month we were speaking about what it means to you and you guys were very kind in sharing some of your own personal um um backstories we had just started um sharing some of that backstory and yeah i was just going to just um just deep dive into that a, a little a little bit more and because you know i just think that those stories are very very inspirational and and just uh just ask a, uh, a few more questions. We spoke about the Stonewall um, report as well, where you know 51% of people were still n- not sure about, you know, they hadn't come out for, for for whatever the reason. And we were saying that actually nobody should be forced to or feel like they have to come out. But at the same time, people should be able to be in a place of work where they're comfortable to be their self and, and, and who they are. Um, and yeah, it would just be really good to um, speak to you guys about, within the workplace, um, you know, uh, have, and your own experiences in the workplace and just your, your backstory in general um, and and how, you know, in terms of any sort of like transitions for yourself, you know, do, do you feel supported by people at, at work? Were there any situations yourself where you felt supported because you come from the LGBTQ community? I know at AND you have... Um, a, your own uh, group and where you have uh, members um, um, and but I was just wondering where you know have you had an experience where you felt particularly supported at work where you are now or, or otherwise yeah, uh, so, yeah so um yeah I worked at and now for quite a while and um whilst I was like uh, figuring things out I remember talking to a friend of mine and just saying hey 
I've been thinking about it and this is me coming out and it was just so nice to have someone just be like cool do you want to talk about it do you not want to talk about it there wasn't like a stigma attached to it it was just okay that's cool or I don't know about it I, I remember telling somebody else at work I think it was to do with a pride um, uh, month uh, topic last year and I said about being Demi and um, they went and they did some research and they were like wow thanks for telling me I've learned so much now about something um, and it was just nice to have that that support and understanding instead of the as as uh, Lena talked about before the worry that somebody's gonna say oh that's not real or like discredit you or just say something negative it was really nice to um, have the positive support of people. Well, that's thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much, um, Philippa. James? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've not been at uh, and quite as long. Uh, it's my, my ninth month. But uh, the thing that has struck me about AND is um, how human it is. Um, our Andes, our people, um, are at the heart of everything that we do. Uh, and we have a, a diverse and inclusive business built from the ground up because we can then build better product that in its in itself then is more diverse and inclusive in in how it's received right and that's super important to us you mentioned our lgbtqi community um we, we're just over a thousand andes now and we had a an active slack channel in in uh, uh in and uh for our community there's 172 people in that community uh those that identify as lgbtqi and our allies and it's a really thriving positive uh, environment where you can feel safe, you can feel included, and you can bring up topics as you wish. Uh, and uh, as mentioned, you know, you can have very quiet and careful conversations if you want, or you can be out and proud. Um, I suppose in, in my career, I made a choice right at the beginning to be out and wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, and, you know, as, as recently as uh, four years ago, um, in a professional context, um, I was homophobically assaulted, physically and verbally. Um, and it was difficult, right? I felt like a 10-year-old again. It really knocked me back. So it's really important that we um, we continue to uh, celebrate pride and, you know, build allies inside um, our workplaces because I had to turn to uh, uh, an ally in the workplace to help me through that, what was frankly a very scary and, you know, uh, very, you know, very belittling experience, which I didn't expect in the workplace. Uh, Ab so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, did you? Of course, that must have been completely shocking. Yeah, because you're at, you're at, you was at work as well. Yeah, I was I was at a conference. Um, I was talking to the conference organizers and uh, a couple of customers, and uh, an attendee at that conference chose to take issue of myself, came over through punches and, you know, the language I don't want to repeat on on air was specifically homophobic. Um, and, you know, you stand back and you're, you're, you're shocked. I mean, literally, I, I, I really thought homophobia had gone away, right? I was living my life completely unaware that homophobia yeah. seemed a bit still, still in the population. Um, and then, what happened after that was difficult because I found myself apologizing to the organizers of the event and the people around me. I'm sorry, you shouldn't have had to see that. Oh goodness, shall I remove myself from this the, the context? Right, was my first thought. And in hindsight, why would you do that? 
And then the second thing that happened beyond that was then the event organizers didn't speak to me about what should happen next, took it upon themselves to call the police, took it upon themselves to take me to a room to counsel me. Um, and then I was forced to relive, in essence, the encounter, given a statement to the police that I really wasn't willing to do. I didn't want any more fuss. And again, that's not particularly right, I suppose. And then overnight thinking, oh, what shall I do? And then my allyship um, mentality came back. And I thought, well, actually, that isn't acceptable. And funny enough, I knew this person's boss because I'd interviewed <laughs> in his business uh, literally a couple of weeks earlier and sat in the airport. I phoned his boss and said, look, I don't really want to make an issue about it, but you've got two problems here. Your brand has been damaged by the behavior of this individual, uh, which is secondary to they might be doing this to your um, your staff, your people in your in your workplace, and you probably need to know about this. And I, I felt sick having that phone call, but it was really important to do it. Uh, and the, the individual was dealt with properly and a gross misconduct occurred and he was removed from his workplace. But, you know, that wasn't, I didn't go to that conference to set out to put that into motion and uh, and that happened. So really strange emotions all the way through that. Um, and still, I still think about that. And funny enough, when I go to that conference center, I always think about that one, which is, you know, four years on <laughs> crazy right it, it really is you just wouldn't expect that at work um yeah. and I'm, I'm i'm just so glad that you had allies and you had that support um it's it's shocking actually like you said you know perhaps the naivety of us thinking that these things have gone away and actually i think the 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 the, the honest truth is it hasn't you know um completely gone away and you know these things are still that are still happy it's atrocious actually that you know in in this day and age these things are still continuing at any time these things shouldn't be happening and you know i just wanted to ask you um um thank you so much james and i just wanted to ask you lena you spoke about the different ceilings as a as as a as a black woman and as as somebody that is um um, um, consider yourself from the LGBT community, community those multifaceted um, things that, you know, have perhaps, you know, encompassed, you know, who you are. And, and I wanted to ask you, have, have the, has the different layers of being black, um, a woman and, 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 and gay, how have, how have, how have you navigated that? Have, have you had any, kind of um, discrimination based on that? I think one of the one of the key points about what you're saying there, Louise, is um, because of the multifaceted, multifaceted nature of it, because of the intersectionality, you can't always tell which one it is that people are discriminating against you are based on. And you can't always see which it is and you can't always tell. And I'm a, I'm a, a black woman, but I'm a masculine black woman. And as a masculine black woman, um, black women are treated a certain way, uh, period and as a masculine woman and that that will add to that any discrimination on that basis but how much of that may be transphobia actually or um you know homophobia right because of the way that we i don't conform to gender norms in, yeah. in that sense but in addition to the fact that i'm visibly i i, I read queer and that's how i identify and right. so how you how you decide which of the areas of discrimination I'm facing will depend on be determined by the environment that I'm in, and so for example, if I'm in a room full of black people, I'm less likely to be facing racism. Not 
that doesn't eliminate that possibility, but I'm less likely to be facing racism. So if I'm facing discrimination, it's likely to be related to something else. And so um, there are a multitude of different ways in which you face discrimination and you determine which it is at the time. So I know that when I was applying for jobs, I had to make the conscious decision as to whether or not I was going to be out on my CV. Now, when I walk into a room, I'm out. <laughs> it's just, just, just who I am. It's what you know, what I see. And anybody who doesn't see that is not really considering the possibilities of difference that are existing in the room. I'm not saying that you must see something and decide that this a thing so much as I am is you must consider the possibilities of all different types of people in the space. But as I said, I'm visible. So I wear a, a rainbow with me wherever I go. Yeah. But on my CV, we know that people face discrimination based on their name based on the jobs that they've done, the spaces they've worked in, how long they've worked there, whether or not they've taken off time for long-term sickness or for maternity, you know, all the different reasons. Yeah. That people already get filtered out of a CEO, out of a job possibility because of what's on their CV. Do I want to work put on there that I worked for an LGBT organization on my CV as well? And so, and I, and I made the conscious decision, yes, because actually I don't want to work anywhere that doesn't want Absolutely. an LGBT organization. And so I made that conscious decision, but it was a process for me that I had to go through. Uh, it was a decision that I had to make and I had to think about it and I had to decide. And I said, this is who I am. This is who you get when you get me. All of these things will be valuable to you as an employer. And honestly, if you don't want me, then you are missing out. <laughs> and I just, that's just, and that's just the attitude that I need to take. Yeah, I love it. Otherwise, I mean, like, yeah, I'm good at my job. I'm really good at my job and I and, and because I take pride in what I do and I and I'm passionate about what I do I'm a thorough and and, and so if you don't want me then that's your problem that's a loss for you and and um leading from that I would like to ask you what what you know what can organizations be doing differently I mean you are you're a DNI strategist Lena um and if you could just sort of extend what you were saying there you know what can what should organisations be doing? Um, you know, you're on both sides of the coin. You're the DNI strategist from the commercial perspective, but you're also part of the LGBT plus Q community. You know, applying for jobs and and having to face, you know, like you said, these questions and come to terms with, you know, this is what I'm going to do. You know, so could you kind of extend that in 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 the commercial space? What should organisations be doing? I need you to be visible about yeah. everything that you're doing, be out yourselves about the community and the environment that the that you're creating in your workplace. And that's going to be, and you can't be visible unless you are doing something, which means you need to do something. And what is it you're doing? And that's not about, as I said earlier, that's not about, you know, having a float at Pride once a month. That's not what it's about. It's not about putting up, changing your uh, your logo on, on Twitter to a rainbow logo. That's not what it's about. It's about what differences are you making? What changes are you making? I want to hear that from the people who work in your organization and not just the top person who's, it's great to see senior contributions to the community, but I want to know that everybody in that organization feels comfortable being, um, at all the different levels of seniority in your organization feel comfortable being out in that space because it means that they don't feel like their sexual orientation is going to interfere with their career progression. And that's one of the key things. So be out about that, have visible, I want to see actual, and, and when, when I apply for your job, it should be in your application package. It should be front and center in all the materials that you distribute about what you're doing. And it should be a part of your intake process for your new employees when you tell them, um, thanks for joining. And don't assume, oh, well, I'll tell these people on that, I won't tell those people because those people are clearly not. You tell everybody. Yeah, because it's a massive commitment to contribution and it's a bit about visibility. 
visibility is so important. So those are the key things. Uh, your policies are procedures. They should be easy, frankly. I mean, the law tells you what to do. Go above and beyond. That's that's simple, right? But make the environment an inclusive space for everybody. Yeah, that is that is brilliant. You know, um, and digital have launched an, an LGBT. Um, Q plus buddy network recently um, and it's support network that's going to enable people with the LGBT plus community to connect with each other and you know discuss things confidentially and life or coming out and work um, and you know that's something that they've launched recently and you know Philippa it leads back in again to you, what you were saying you had this conversation and just being listened to and just feeling that allyship from your colleague and actually your colleague learning something from you do you know what I didn't know that before Thank you very much. I now know something that, you know, um, and, and, and James, we had a fun, you know, all of us have had really great conversations before this show. And, you know, James, you and I, we spoke about, you know, whereabouts in the country you're from. Um, and, and um, you know, we spoke about some of your, your, your earlier stories. And, and, of course, you know, this really, really, really difficult thing and terrible thing that happened. But, you know, at the same time, you know, one of the things that you told me as well, which I found extremely interesting about people from the gay community leaving their hometown yeah. and going to live in other places because they, they're they going to be more accepted. Yeah. I really love you to, to just briefly speak about that, you know, because I felt like I learned something that I didn't even consider, you know, that the that, that populations of gay community are living in certain parts of the UK. Why, why is that? Why is that? And I'd and I really love it if you'd share that with us today. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly I'm, I'm uh, quite old now, but it, and I'm, I'm hoping and I, and I do believe actually uh, my, my hometown has, has matured to the fact that there are diverse uh, diversities in, in all, all aspects of human life. And so, but uh, yeah, I, I grew up in a, in a small town in, in uh, South Wales and I mean, I was aware that I was queer probably from about the age of 10. Uh, and by the time I got into high school, I was probably, you, you could read that in me, right? And, and, and the bullies saw it and, and uh, you know, systemically bullied all the way through high school um, to the point where, you know, I was harming myself and considering taking my life, right? It was a really horrible period of, of, of time. And the only thing that, kept me motivated was I will be moving and I will be going to university and I will be away from this. Um, and I find it hard going back. I mean, I go back to see my parents probably about two or three days a year. That's that's enough for me. It's just difficult. Um, and what that does is when you leave, um, and uh, we talked specifically around COVID and that sense of you've, you've, you've traveled and you're on your own, when you can't be with your community, it becomes really hard and it becomes really lonely because you've you've kind of shifted your your home, right? And then all of a sudden you can't be with um, your friends and allies and people that care for you. So you know that was that was really difficult. And I, I've been talking to one of our Andys who who has moved from a, a small town in the north to London um, to find that sense of belonging, and has been sort of shut in for the last year and has lost that connection it's been really difficult actually for him so you know letting him know that he is safe and there are people that he can talk to and 
you know, just feel connected again is really important. So, yeah, I think the two things are, are connected. So when you when you have that that opportunity removed from you, it, it makes it really hard again. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like having to form, and you know, um, kind of like another community or family ship yeah. somewhere else, because for whatever the reason, not not feeling in in a safe environment, you know, in in, in your you know the place of home where, where you originally come from and and we, when we had this conversation you were speaking about why people sort of like go to live in Brighton or other parts of of of, of the country how it you know it really it really made me consider and really think that you know there's there's something that's liberating but also not fair about it you know yeah I mean there, there are there are you know big cities with big populations of Hmm. Manchester has a has a huge trans population. I think it might be the biggest trans population uh, uh, in the country, um, and it, it's really special. You you do feel hmm. in Manchester. However, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean you're free from homophobia because in the 19 years I've lived in Manchester, I've probably at least once a year had homophobic abuse thrown at me across the street or or yeah. uh, just this week um uh, the village um has a number of murals of um um drag artists and pioneers in in our community um daubed with quite frankly obscene and violent uh, graffiti um and the one thing about that the community literally came together and we repainted that together it was done yeah within days and we were proud to put it back to as it was and just yeah so that sense of belonging is for me really important and that's why I, I wear my my sexuality on my sleeve so hopefully it motivates others uh, a feeling you know alone or, or or not connected to feel safe enough to talk to me about my experiences and 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 uh Philippa and and Lella Philippa I know that you traveled you know, you, you you explained to me. You told me that you you'd been to different parts of the world and lived in different places and and everything. And um, yeah, you know, how, how was how was it the transition process for you? Um, and um, you know, have you been able to uh, speak to other people about your your experience and and uh, you know shed a shed a light on to them about you know you know your, your experience and perhaps giving them some inspiration around you know the shoes that you've walked in yeah. and I, yeah. yeah so a bit of backstory as a child I lived in India and America so like very much had um like a different understanding of the world from that and um I went to an all-girls school when I was in America and uh, like the concept of gender kind of got thrown out the window because I just didn't see boys my own age so I just didn't really like get what gender was about um because like yeah it just didn't it wasn't as like conformed as it is if you go to a, a mixed school um so I think that definitely like played a part and then when we came back to the UK um like no, nobody else, not a lot of people have that childhood. It's it's not um, a very regular. So I remember getting to uni and meeting other people that also had like moved around and stuff and finding out from them what that was like and how that I had changed their like understanding of, of gender and sexuality. Um, and 
yeah I think from what I from me and my friends I think it has made us maybe take a little bit longer to like take our journeys and have that understanding of ourselves because you're trying to understand a different culture or a different way of life at first and then kind of fit into that and be like is it okay um to be that way or is that even a, a thing is yeah dependent on where you are in the world Thank you, um, Philippa. And Lena, I know that you're on a, a number of boards um, and, um, you know, you've got really extensive board experience. Um, and, you know, does does this subject come up in the boardroom enough um, um, around diversity and uh, support and inclusivity and belonging for people from the LGBTQ community? I know I was reading recently that, you know, within the FTSE 100 organisations, um, you know, a lot of the you know, it's LGBTQ community and, and um, e you know, everything about LGBTQ is not even mentioned in half of their reports. So I just wondered, you know, what what's it like in the boardroom, you know, um, in from from your perspective? In, in answer to your question, does it coming up, does it come up enough? No, no. So it comes as a simple answer to the question, essentially. And, and that's across the board for diversity and inclusion, but it's getting better. And I'm hopefully, and, and, and a lot of the work that I'm doing is in hoping and hoping to help to contribute to that change. In the organizations um, where I'm working in particular, they are really taking positive, actual visual steps, not uh, the sort of surface level vis visible stuff just on its own, but actually making changes within their organization. Um, one of the organizations I work with um, currently, uh, the Masson have just launched a, a trans inclusion policy specifically targeted and tailored for that group. And I think it's that sort of attention to detail on the nitty gritty, as well as the visibility of stuff that's really important, and really key so that we can are able to say to people, this is not just stuff that they were talking about, we're doing things. And so what I want to see is, this is not about, oh, well, you know, we need a one of them and a one of them and a one of them on our board. And I'm like, one of those, oh, we need one of those with a bit of that on it as well. That's not what I'm interested in seeing. What are you doing to change your organization, to rebuild it with people who have different experiences so that that space is no longer this hom homogenous space. It's now a space that's built from, created by, designed with everybody in your culture and the community involved so that it is inviting and inclusive and of all different kinds of people. And I think that's the key thing. That's what I want to see. Um, you know, lip service is not, not doing me any good. Yeah, completely agree. And and has, you know, home working and the virtual space changed anything? Because the same that, you know, the, the, the physical, um, um, the physical touch in terms of our friends, our family, you know, how we would be able to communicate with one another and, and receive that kind of support and that dialogue in the office or in the, in the coffee room, that is no longer there, is it? So there may be some people actually who even more so are feeling isolated. What do you think? Um, does anybody want to comment on that? That may perhaps, you know, due to COVID and, and the fact that we've had so much, we, you know, we've all been, you know, working in a space, you know, more or less where we haven't had that same camaraderie with each other, that people are maybe be feeling even more sort of isolated than than they norm normally would be. 
I want to just add to that one very specifically because I think one of the things I, I, I volunteer for are numerous LGBTQI organizations and work with a number of different charities. And I think one of the things that we know about the LGBTs community, they're more likely, as James spoke about really eloquently about his own experience of isolation. And we know that that's true for the community, broadly speaking, in general. And we, But what we've learned is that that has increased because of COVID and because of that isolation. But not only that, you are now sometimes, especially for young people, especially for young people, you look at the stats from the diversity role models where I'm a volunteer for the Albert Kennedy Trust and the, the experiences of young people in, who are now trapped in their homes with people who are abusive towards them because of their sexual orientation. We, we know that women, are, the domestic violence and domestic abuse has gone up measure, measurably over this period of time and women are trapped in those spaces. Um, but but to, to be a young person as well, and know that your parents don't accept you for who you are, that you no longer have the outlet of the people around you outside of you. Uh, uh, you're now trapped in those spaces. And so that's gonna contribute massively. And so the organizations that I see that have been doing really well in this are being able to create online spaces where employers are supported and, and, and helped. And so for example, one organization one I know works with, what they did was they decided that every day they would have a five minute check-in every morning. They would just do a five minute check-in. And it's such a simple thing to do. Everybody logs in at five just to say, hey, and then we get on with the job. And that can really connect people in ways that are not possible sometimes during this period. Yeah, yeah I, I was just gonna just add comments in there. You know, as, as a community, there, there is a, a high level of depression and anxiety in our community anyway. And I think, you know, there, there, there's there's been you know, an opportunity for that to increase, which is really, really dangerous, I think. And um, so, you know, building those little touch points and keeping connected, I think is is, is super important. And uh, um, it's one thing that AND is actually quite good at doing. We we ensure that we allow time for our Andes to, to, to meet and try and replace some of that uh, uh, contact that's been physically lost and, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 it's really important. Yeah, it really, really is important. Ever so important. Um, yeah, I've, I've, le I've learned so much today and, you know, it's been, you know, it, it, I've spoken to you all individually beforehand and, you know, and now we're all together. I, I honestly, I'm, re I'm really inspired. You know, every time, you know, I do a show and I, and I speak to people that have walked in their own individual shoes and can re really, sh really open about, sh about sharing and inspiring. Um, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And I think that on, in a commercial context as well, there's so much for organizations to learn and so much things they could be doing differently. Like what Lena, you shared where, um, you know, just having a chat in the mornings for five minutes, just checking in can make oh so much of a difference. Um, and I just want to just touch on something, just just a, just a, maybe just a fun fact now and just ask you guys, you know, if you was to, somebody was to ask you, you know, what you, what advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah. <laughs> um, and everybody, everybody gets asked that question. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Oh, you know, oh God, I've never asked that before, you know. But, but you know, there are people that will be inspired. And I just wondered, you know, if you had to have a conversation with your younger self, you know, um, what would, what would, what would you, what would you think, you know, that you may be saying, um, you know, I certainly know that I would be say, saying that, you know, when you're growing up, there's going to be something called imposter syndrome <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, you, you, you will walk into rooms and feel like you're not meant to be there. You will feel like, you know, you will question yourself and, and, and your, and your validation, but actually, you know, you are worthy and you, you are deserving and you can do that. And, you know, and I, and I was asked that question on a radio show actually. And then I started asking other people. So I'd really like to ask you guys, you know, all three of you, if you had to have a conversation with your younger self, what would, what would you be saying? And in no particular order? <laughs> well, well I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I could probably broadcast what I would say to myself. <laughs> uh, but no, in, in seriousness, uh, the thing I would say to myself is you will learn to love yourself and it's okay. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me um, in my coming out was accepting myself and loving myself. So, um, yeah, when I was a young boy, if I said that to myself, that would have helped. Thank you so much, James. That was beautiful. Uh, uh, Philippa? Yeah, I think I'd say um, it's okay to be different and not have people around you at this point in time that understand what it's like to be in your shoes. Um, but no, it's a huge world um, and that you'll go out and explore it and you'll find people that are like you and find your community. Well, that was wonderful. Lena? I think for me, um, I was not... I was oblivious to this. All of this was in a secret part of my brain that was hiding itself from me for a lot of my childhood and a lot of my growing up. And so to my younger self, I would probably say it's, it's fine. Take your time, do what you've got to do, enjoy yourself. Um, there's no hurry, there's no pressure, be who you are. And I think the phrase, there's, there's a, a website and a YouTube channel called It Gets Better. And I think that that's really key and really important for people to understand as well. But for me, mostly prim primarily, just be yourself. You're enough. Be yourself. Yeah, that 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 is wonderful. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just my cup is so full. You know, <laughs> my cup is so full, and um, you know, um, and you know, it just sounds like such an an an, an amazing place to work. You know, I've done some um, work with with Andy's, and my Andy name has been skipped to my Lou because. You know, 2020 to 2021, skipping has been, you know, my motivation for, for exercise in the time of lockdown and everything. Um, and I would like to say a special, special thank you for Lena um, for joining us today. Um, you know, as, as me as a temporary Andy and, and James <laughs> <laughs> and, and Philippa as permanent Andys, we are really, 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 um, really happy to have you today. And we just want to say thank you very much for for joining us and and raising the voices um, for people from the LGBT community and being um, a, you know uh, you know so, so, you know somebody for for inspiration but yet also giving us really good com commercial context as well so I know that you know you've, you you you're on both sides of the fence thank you ever so much to James and Philippa for volunteering as well to. Um, represent and and to come on the show today um and um yeah i would just like to say you know thank you to you all for for being on on the panel i would the show is now coming to an end is there anything anybody wants to say about you know lena where can you you be contacted for example um from, from here on you can find me on twitter at virtual lena or my website is lenaland.com l-e-n-n-a-l-a-n-d.com Oh, that that's brilliant. And um, James and Philippa, um, anything you'd like to say before the show 
for well, the industry? Well, I, uh, certainly, I'm, I'm just going to say, look, and is a, a great workplace. We're, we're growing. Uh, it's hyperspeed. We are recruiting another 300 people this year. If you want to work for a place where you're loved and you belong, take a look at that. Uh, and the website is and.digital. Thank you, James. <laughs> That's brilliant. And Philippa? Um, yeah, thank you for having us. Um, it's been great to talk. Um, yeah. That's brilliant. It's been a fantastic, fantastic show. It is hashtag and lift each other each other up you know and it's been such a good show guys i think we're gonna to have to do this again another time later on in the, in the year all of us because it's been it's been brilliant thank you for locking in and listening to the power hour we have been celebrating pride month and pride week with and digital i'd like to thank my guests and i would like all, to thank all my listeners for listening in this show will be available on spotify and you'll be able to rewind and watch over and over and over again <laughs> sorted right there thank you <laughs> so thank you again and we will i'll be in touch with you all soon all the best have a great afternoon take care <laughs>